Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Baumhofer. How are you doing tonight, Ben? I am doing middle of the road. But you know what? It's middle as opposed to low, so I'm going to say I'm okay. That's better than last time. Yeah, definitely. I can speak for a longer you know, amount of time for the most part. I'm not coughing, dying. Uh, Solid. So Solid. far. So, uh, yeah, doing okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got some fun stuff to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this episode. And so let's uh let's just dive right in. Uh we'll we'll start with something that actually just dropped yesterday because we usually record Wednesday nights and the episodes drop on on Mondays. Uh this this just came out yesterday and it was the survey results for the final uh Unearthed Arcana that mm-hmm. came out at the end of last year. Uh this was the uh barbarian monk druid druid one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so it's about a 12 minute video. We'll of course have a link to that in the show notes on the indiscussions.com. Uh but just just kind of wanted to I'll go over the highlights real fast mm-hmm. and then we can kind of talk about it. So they said uh, the druid finally reached the satisfied category, which is for them, the like their their floor for satisfaction is 70 percent. So a C. So a C. Uh, but then they also said that the monk and the barbarian are in the super satisfied category with the mm-hmm. monk being the highest rated class uh, for like most improved and satisfaction rate in the entirety of their unearthed arcana series. Yeah. That was in the nineties, which I think is pretty amazing. I mean, if you remember when we talked about it, we were both super excited about all the changes that were coming to the monk and, uh, just, you know, the kind of the shuffling around of things, the way that that key has been changed and, uh, even more so just deflect missile turning into like deflect attack. I mean, the tiniest little things made monk that much more fun to kind of look at and play. And I am quite excited for the update on that. And it appears that the whole community is too. Yeah. I think, uh, I think of all the ones that was a, that was a big slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, they did mention that that was the last player's handbook UA that they were going to do. Um, not that they're done. They're apparently now bringing it back into internal testing and tweaking mm-hmm. because they have everything, I guess, at least to the threshold of what they wanted it from a satisfaction standpoint. And so they'll, they'll continue to tweak uh, until, until that book comes out. I'm hoping Druids, the Druid still gets some more love, some more tweaking. That's definitely one of the, I thought, weakest uh, mm-hmm. conversions uh, from 2014 to this 2024 one. So, uh, but yeah, so they're going to be doing that. Uh, they also said the um, new conjuration spells, the conjure like creature spells were, were well reviewed. Uh, they said there's going to be some new spells. that will be surprises uh, that we won't see until the book drops, which is always like, it's interesting and also a little scary. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes, sometimes the way that uh, underpowered or overpowered spells can make it into uh, a printed book <laughs> um, yeah. with, without a whole lot of recourse. Uh, so, I mean, Obviously, we saw how many cantrips 
they are tweaking um, to either buff or or nerf. Um, so it, it it'll be interesting. I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got. Uh, they also clarified that the uh, screenshot that was with the the dwarf warrior that was uh, mistakenly posted. The books are not coming out in May. He was just yes. like, he's like, we're still working on them. It's not coming out in May, which is a hundred percent a good thing. Cause that is way too soon. I am way, way so too soon. We haven't, that. we haven't even seen anything of the new monster manual yet. And we've barely seen anything of the new DMG. Mm-hmm. So like they, there's, I'm really hoping for a Q4 drop, honestly. Yeah, with all the stuff that they need to do, just like with the 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 monster manual, with the DM's guide, and then you know the internal testing that's going to be starting with the player's handbook now, I would think that it's going to take them a bit before they actually have everything all set up and ready to go. Um, I mean, granted, I've never made a, a a book like this before, so I really can't speak to it, but. I think that internal play testing is going to be a prime focus, especially on that player's handbook to make sure that they get everything kind of fine tuned and really, you know, balanced between everything because, you know, no one likes it when there's a class that's just way overpowered or, you know, a, a subclass or something like that, that's, you know, just kind of destroys a whole table. Whereas if it's balanced with everything else, then, you know, everybody's happy. It's a lot more, you know, smooth as you go through into venturing and everything. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, concerns about the Druid is just that, you know, it, it currently, yes, the Druid is way overpowered uh, based on wild shape. If you go like circle of the moon, but they, you know, swung the pendulum way too far. So, you know, getting that fine tuned and right and everything, I think is going to be, well, hopefully a really big focus because I don't really play druids, but I still want them to be in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, they did mention that there will likely be, um, unearthed arcana for, uh, the dungeon master's guide specifically. I know that they, I, I would assume there's probably going to be some for the monster manual, if only to just kind of give a preview of, of what, those things are looking like as they kind of do this, this rethink. Um, but they mentioned one of the big things they mentioned that may go into a UA from the new dungeon master's guide is there's going to be a new encounter building calculator, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, as many people know, the current, the current encounter building with CR breaks down very quickly. Um, pretty much past level five, honestly. Um, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. It doesn't necessarily work super well. Uh, so past that, <clears throat> it's a lot more intuition. It's a lot more trial and error. Uh, it's a lot. It's it's just as much art <laughs> as science in a lot of ways. But if they can come up with a much more clear or much more balanced encounter building formula to give people in that dungeon master's guide. That will be honestly a really huge deal Mm -hmm. because uh, I think that's part of what keeps people 
from running higher level stuff. Yeah. Not the only reason, obviously not the only reason, but I think that just the, the scope and the, uh, the weight uh, of having to put together those higher level encounters and not knowing is this good enough? Is this way too much? Uh, If they can, if they can figure out a way to get that to a good place or at least make it a lot closer to what it needs to be. I think that will really help not just play overall, but make people a little more comfortable for higher level stuff too. Exactly. And I mean, you're right around level five is kind of where it starts really, you know, shifting one way or the other. And it seems like a lot of that is like, okay, the math works great until you throw a magic item or two in. And then at that point, that's when stats start becoming skewed in a very different way that the math just doesn't add up anymore. So, of course, as you're going into higher level campaigns, there's, you know, magic items abound. You've got three attunement slots, you know, you're going to be using that stuff for something. So, you know, one monk with like a, a certain legendary item or something could easily take the place of, you know, five basic characters just based off of the power of that one item that they have. So the math just falls apart. So I'm I'm really excited, uh, and we'll actually <laughs> we'll actually talk a little bit about uh, alternative encounter building um, toward the end of the show as well. But I am excited to see that that is a focus mm-hmm. because it is definitely a weakness of the current edition and the current uh, Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah, I mean it's the one thing that I say I'm the worst at out of anything being a DM. And that's balancing encounters. So any help is much appreciated. Um, and then finally, <clears throat> this is that's that was kind of the big the big overview. Uh, we're supposed to hear more soon, uh, but there's nothing at least other than some of those mentions of maybe Dungeon Master's Guide under Tharkana. There's nothing on the cards as far as a date or anything uh, than any next testing drop. So we'll be sure to keep watching for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I did kind of want to run through, <clears throat> it's a new year. The new, new, not new edition is coming out sometime this year. Uh, so there was a, a screen rant article that it had just a great, like here's like the top 10 rule changes that are coming in the 2024 edition that are uh, to prep for. And so I just wanted to kind of go through those real fast as a refresher, because there is a lot of stuff changing. DMs will have a lot of decisions to make as far Mm -hmm. as do I fully convert over to this new stuff? Do I stay with what is currently out? Do we mix and match and take, you know, the, the parts we like and just ignore the, the parts we don't because in theory, all of this should be backward compatible. Mm-hmm. At least that's the thing they keep trumpeting. Uh, you can, it's like if you want to use a 2014 Druid with a 2024 fighter, it should work, right? So um, just going through the list real fast, uh, we just talked about it from the UA. Conjure spells are changing. It's not going to be the I summon eight of something. Yes. which I know some people will miss that, but I, I totally understand where they're coming from. And I think it's a good change overall because it can very, it can really slow down combat, especially if the person's new or doesn't know what they're doing. 
a lot uh, or it can really, again, this is a balanced thing, unbalanced things a lot because action economy. It's it's just a thing. Uh, the more actions you have, the more of a edge you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I also talked uh, a little bit about this. Lots of cantrips are getting buffed and nerfed. Uh, these are fairly big deals. I think it was either the last UA or the one before that had the list There's uh, that you can go back and look at uh, if you want to, but huge amount of cantrip changes. Uh, barbarians being able to rage more. This is a huge deal. Uh, this was in the last Unearthed Arcana. Getting back a rage uh, on a short rest is really big. Um, bastions are coming. This is a dungeon master's guide thing. Uh, these are like the new stronghold, mm-hmm. uh, the new player bases, yeah. uh, sounds super interesting. I I'm sure they will be tweaking them some based on the feedback from that under Arcana, but that I, I love that that is a system that is being put in that yes. players can look at and do stuff from. Uh, they talk about monks being more survivable, obviously 90 plus percent, satisfaction rate uh everyone is very excited for the monk changes uh which is really great uh, one other interesting thing and this has been changed just as uh across the board thing and a lot of people may have been playing like this but now from a rules perspective you can voluntarily fail saving throws if you want to yeah, I mean, I ran my games with that as something that could happen if someone wants to. Just it, it makes sense. Yeah, and so now that's that's going to be in the actual rules. Yeah, it's rules as that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, it was never clearly um, stated before, which is kind of where the, the, it's coming from. Yeah, and, and yeah, and that's what it, like the handbook will delineate that failing saving throws intentionally is specifically allowed. So. If there was any any conundrum on that, because there are times when you want to be able to fail saving throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, the new exhaustion rule. That's another big one. Yeah. I'm already using this in my game I that I'm running right now. I started <laughs> I started using it in my last campaigns. Um, it's just easier. It's just mm-hmm. way easier. Um, it's it's probably a little less thematic than the the old one where it has the different status conditions and stuff as you go but from a bookkeeping standpoint um just the negative one negative two negative three way easier to track much easier to understand yeah and a lot less lethal too yeah yeah like you you get to that level three or four of exhaustion and your character is basically worthless at that point um, so at least in this one, uh, it will be harder to do things. It will be harder to hit, but one or two levels of exhaustion, probably not going to be a massive deal. Yeah. Which I mean, means that you can start using this as an effect. You could put it on monsters. You could make it something that you could get if you failed a saving throw from a certain attack. Whereas I was extremely careful with the other exhaustion. Exactly. Uh, because you get one or two stacks of those and your, your, your player's character is in a really bad spot. 
Yeah, especially if you're looking at uh, like frenzy barbarians uh, when they're no longer frenzied, you know, or they're no longer in a frenzy rage, they get a level of exhaustion. It's like that kind of really cripples that entire class or subclass if all of a sudden it's like, okay, cool, we're going to have three fights today. Well, I want to be able to do the best that I can. So at the end of the day, three levels of exhaustion, I'm useless. You know, doesn't, yeah. doesn't work. Oh, um, and then, uh, you have, and speaking of barbarians, you have martial classes getting weapon mastery. Yes. I think this, and this is probably one of the biggest new systems that they've, they've been willing to introduce, which I think is good. Cause I know we talked about this. Some, a lot of the UAs, uh, there, there was, there have been some much bigger changes over the course of the UAs that they kind of rolled back when some of which is good. Some of which is definitely a little disappointing because it feels like they're constraining themselves a bit because it has to be backwards compatible. Um, so the, there's only so much they're willing to do mm-hmm. right in the design space. But I think weapon mastery is definitely one of the better things that's kind of brand new that they're doing uh, and will give the martial classes uh, more options and more unique things they can do. And just on top of that, just kind of more flair because, you know, people choose casters because they get to have some really cool effects and, and things that happen based off of what their attacks do. So, you know, it's really cool to be all like, all right, uh, I ice knife. And then the ground's all icy and everything like that. Whereas the fighters like I swing my sword. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're pushing people back. You're tripping them up, um, doing all, making them bleed. You're doing all sorts of, of interesting things there. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be, that'll be great for, for people who play martial classes. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, backgrounds can be customized fully in one D and D or in this, in the new 2024 version, uh, letting players make backgrounds from the ground up and then selecting the bonuses they get according to some guidelines. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's nice that if you want to have a more customized background, there will be now some rules and some guidelines for that. Mm, definitely. And then finally, uh, combat healing is way better. And this was uh, from one of the last uh, few UAs that all the healing spells got buffed. Uh, Playtest 8, I believe. You basically get extra dice, cure wounds, healing word, mass cure wounds, mass healing word. Uh making the healing better, which in some ways is probably good because those did not scale super well. No, definitely not. Uh, you know, if I'm doing a healing word at level four uh, or at a level four spell, uh, I can still grant only eight hit points if I roll really badly. And that's just yeah. not fun. And no. it's not useful by the time you're using that kind of level of a spell. It's just, you know, smack monster, you know, drops you. You're at zero hit points. All of a sudden the cleric tosses you a, a level four, level five healing word. Cause that's, that's as close as they can get. And then you're standing back up and then smack next attack. You're down again. It, it It's just this, this cycle of rubber banding, just up and down, up and down until, you know, finally they get two hits in and then that's a, uh, you know, automatic two death saves gone and stuff. Yeah. And honestly, this is going to give, uh, this is going to, this is just going to give a reason for monsters to target the cleric more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, to not really have to pull your punches when you're playing too much, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's good, too, especially at those lower levels mm-hmm. where a healing word actually is a significant amount of your hit points or cure wounds is a significant amount of your hit points. Uh, that will certainly help out uh, probably some of the, the fragility in the earlier, you know, one to three space. Yeah. And wizards of any level. And wizards of any level. That's right. Um, so yeah, that was just, just a quick recap. This is kind of, uh, some of the big stuff to think about as we're going into this year. And as this new version is going to drop at some point, (laughs) some unnamed unannounced time, uh, there's a lot, honestly, a lot to look forward to. I, I think that I will be adopting just a good portion of it. Um, if not fully switching over, uh, we we'll, we will, we will see on kind of a case by case basis, especially for the class stuff. Mm-hmm. But overall I'm, I'm fairly happy with what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, we were such big fans of fifth edition, you know, we weren't really looking to see how they could improve, but they've improved a lot in a lot of good ways. So, uh, I'm looking forward to fourth quarter when it comes out, maybe <laughs> hopefully, Hopefully, because I mean, in the book business, like you, you're we're talking at least a few month lead time for like layout, printing, shipping, all those sorts of things. So if you if you need like a whole quarter just to do that, then I feel like you better be releasing in fourth quarter. (laughs) To give yourself time to finish everything the way it needs to be finished. Yeah. The, the one thing that worries me about that, and this is, this is going to be a kind of crappy take. I'm warning you right away is that that means that there's not going to be any more supplements or adventures or anything coming before then, because why would they release something that needs to be updated with these new core rule books before then? So I'm hoping that, you know, they, they, they don't let greed kind of take over and throw these new books in too soon. But I mean, there's still so much like wants and praise and stuff for D and D that I'm, I'm hoping that they, they make a smart move, give it the time it needs before, you know, peppering the market full of like tons of new adventures and stuff like that, because that's kind of what happened last year. And honestly, that was too much. I, I still don't have yeah, everything. It was yet. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot last year. They, especially at the end of the year, it was a huge mm-hmm. like glut of books. Yeah. But you know, with them um, talking to third parties and bringing in kind of third party content and stuff to D and D beyond and, you know, essentially making it kind of official dungeons and Dragons stuff. Maybe it'll help kind of supplement the income a little bit here and there. So who knows? I'm hoping it'll, that'll supplement their content release schedule too. And they won't feel like they need to release a bajillion things mm-hmm. as this third party stuff trickles into D&D Beyond. And it, <clears throat> I was uh, one of the things in their uh, like 2023 recap or whatever. They were saying that there will be more third party content good. in D&D Beyond this year. That's very good. Which I think is is super good. Um, so I hope I hope we see things from Cobalt Press. I hope we see things from MCDM. I hope we see more Ghostfire. 
stuff. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of really good third-party content creators that having that ease of access in that really nice D&D Beyond interface would be super good. Yeah, as soon as they bring one thing in from MCDM, or I really feel like that's when the floodgates are opening. I don't know, just a feeling. I hope so. I hope so, especially with MCDM kind of doing their own, working on their own RPG now. I'm hoping with their like wealth, uh, depth and breadth of 5e content that they'll be willing to play nice, essentially. Yeah with that um because getting that content inside of the interface would be a huge huge win because i use their content a lot i mean yeah just for you alone uh they would make probably all their money back of investing into it yeah i'm not proud of that but it would probably happen i would probably i would probably buy it all again Well, let's move on uh, so I don't have to think about all the money I'm going to spend this year. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit um, about multiclassing. And this is a conversation that was actually started, uh, kind of came up in our Discord, mm-hmm. which if you're not a member of our Discord, you can be by going to deintercessions.com and clicking the invite link. We would love to have you. We have it in uh, every post. We have it in every post. Uh, but we were talking about um, the conversation kind of circled around when do you multi-class? Like, uh, do you or do, do you even allow it or do you even allow it? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting discussion because I think there is the kind of two sides of the, of the same coin, the thematic multi-classing mm-hmm. where you're multi-classing because of story reasons. Right. You're doing it because it fits your character in that situation. And I've done that before. Um, And then there's also the mechanical reason. There are a lot of very powerful combinations of multi-class that allow you to do some really cool things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that certainly could be a a driver as well. Although, uh, and that was one of the things that came up, I think... I personally think 5e does a really good job for the most part of just the um, base classes. So like if you go 20 levels into wizard or if you go 20 levels into barbarian or, you know, so on and so forth, 20 levels in any class, you're not really going to be nerfing yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's just fine to go for, cause I know in old, old editions, um, some old editions, if you didn't multi-class, like you were severely hampering yourself. Yes. Like badly, like you pretty much had to multi-class, uh, to be able to not get super far behind. And I don't think 5e has that problem. It, it doesn't seem like that. And especially with, uh, you know, when we've been comparing all the different changes between, uh, high level classes with the, the, you know, UAT content and everything, uh, they're trying to kind of, you know, figure out the, a lot of the high level stuff. And then they ended up pretty much mostly falling back to what they had, um, at least from what we've seen on it. And, you know, if you look at it, there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens when you hit level 20 in a lot of the different classes. So, 
I mean, just level 20 alone is cool, but you know, extra stuff that you get before then, uh, you know, whether it's like extra attacks, just different abilities, more resistances, just, you know, a bunch of different things, uh, can really improve your character just by leveling up one more time in that same class. Uh, personally, I'm looking forward to being a, I think it's a level 18 bard cause or lore bard specifically, cause, uh, that's when I get access to wish. So there we go. Then I have every spell at my command. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. So, well, so let's talk about, let's talk about your philosophy. So what is your philosophy on multi-classing? Um, well, first of all, I do just want to point out too, that rules wise, the book does have specific um, criteria for multi-classing. So like, let's say you're a wizard, you've got a high intellect and everything um, in order to multi-class into like, say, um, fighter you need to have a certain i think what strength uh, uh score in order to actually yeah a lot of that. a lot of multi-classing have some sort of stat restriction yeah like and you need to be xyz to be able to switch over and for the most part i actually i agree with that just because there's nothing like taking on new levels in a new class and not being effective at it you know like if if strength was my dump stat as a fighter or, uh, um, you know, as a wizard, I wouldn't want to be a fighter and, you know, have like a minus two penalty to all of my attacks. You know, that just wouldn't be fun. Um, but that aside, um, personally, if somebody in my group wants to multi-class, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I don't look at, um, well, first of all, my, my group, I don't think anybody's really min-maxing for the most part. So like that, I don't have any fear of or anything, but uh, overall we're really more of a very role play heavy group. So for us, it would be kind of more thematic, you know, things that would, you know, make sense character wise, what they would be doing. Um, you know, if something changed with, uh, you know, their build or how they're, they're kind of leveling up, or let's say they're not enjoying the class that they're in, but they don't want to completely change you know, we can work into something, maybe multi-class, take a, a couple levels into something else. Or, you know, if they're lacking on like, say, hey, I want to be, you know, you know, be a, a kind of more of a, a stealthy ranger. You know, I want to take a couple levels in rogue. You know, there, there's different things that you can do to kind of accentuate your play style and what you want to do. And it's not just min-maxing everything that you're doing too. So thematically, I'm all for it. But then again, Min-maxing, if someone really wants to go that way, sure, if the game is kind of geared towards that kind of progression and combat and, and everything, you know, it, it really comes down to the type of game that you're playing, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think I lean more to the side of I like to do it for story reasons. Mm -hmm. Um much more so than the mechanical reasons. Like I've never, I've never been one to go, okay, I'm going to plan out. Then I take three levels of this and then I'm going to take six levels of this. And then I'm going to take another three levels of this. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to do this insane combo X, Y, Z. I've never, I've never really been that type of power gamer. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there are certainly times where it's just like, ah, oh, yes, it makes a lot of sense for me to go two or three levels of fighter with my barbarian. Yeah. 
because it allows me to do more things or going three levels of fighter with my barbarian allows me to go into, you know, champion or whatever. So I can get maneuvers um, or whatever sub subclass um, gets the maneuvers battle master battle master. Um, and then that just gives me more tools to work with. Mm -hmm. Right. That's there's the, I think there's a difference between just something small like that. It's like, Oh, cool. I want to get maneuvers and action surge with my barbarian. Yeah. Um, there, there's also like different types of synergy that you can do too. Like, um, <laughs> in the, the Darrington brigade, the funniest thing is Talison's version of Batman, which was a, a barbarian rogue, you know, every time that he attacks, he attacks at advantage so that he can apply his sneak attack to it. It, yeah. you know, there's, there's certain things that you can do with that. And he built the character around that thematically and it didn't work all that great, but it was still really fun to kind of watch and see just this, this crazy idea of, of building a character around, you know, a, a bit of synergy that kind of worked. Yeah. And I, I, I really, I really like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, I really like that. Type. Like, cause there's, there's the small things like that where it's just like, I'm going to take a little dip into this because there's a few cool things in there. Um, most classes, uh, the capstone was at 17, right? Yeah. So you can take three levels of something else. And I think, I feel like that was kind of done on purpose in a lot of ways. I think so. Um, to, to be able to do, um, do some stuff like that if you, if you really wanted to, but I don't know that I, 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 like I said, I, I think I lean more towards the thematic side. I've had that happen in my campaigns. Like mm -hmm. if you, if you've been listening for a while, my original campaign one, our ranger dipped into warlock because of this cursed item he found that had a fiend locked in it uh, and ended up multi-classing into warlock because of it. Uh, and it was a conversation we had uh, and it, it was it ended up being super cool and very, very thematic for uh, for that character. So there's there's a lot of things uh, like that that I really like being able to do. And honestly, I think 5e is built in such a way that it's very hard to really kneecap yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> like you certainly can build an unoptimized character, but for, for the most part, it's very hard to make your character worthless. Yeah. I mean, you have to really pick a lot of varied things that, uh, I, I mean, but, but then again, you're looking at what is the game, you know, again, if you're being very RP heavy and, you know, you're kind of playing in that world, a lot of different choices and stuff that you make aren't combat focused. So it's not even really, you know, kneecapping yourself at that point either, because you're kind of fitting in with the world with what's going on. So that's good. But again, you're right. It, it just, the way that things work and just kind of the, the overall synergy of different classes that, you know, you would naturally kind of put together. Um, you have a good way of really kind of being creative and continuing that journey into kind of discovering what works best for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So I, it's again, 
this isn't us telling you what to do or which one is which which way is better or not because there are certainly games um especially if i'm going into like a one shot or a small like few session type of mini campaign I'll play around with that a little more. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll actually go into that and build something more specifically for that just to try it out or just to be able to have fun like that. Or maybe it is a we are going to be fighting just a bunch of stuff. So make somebody that can, you know, be tough and stand up to it. And I think that's that's totally cool, too. Um, but for a long term campaign. I much personally lean more towards the I'm going to be thematic into this campaign rather than purely mechanically focused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I might have mentioned them a very long time ago on uh, one of our community pages. But um, do you ever remember me talking about Puffin Forest? Um, he's a, a tabletop player, uh, does some animations for things and stuff. Uh, well, anyways. Five years ago, he told a story about uh, making, uh, as he called it, the most absurd character. In fact, this character is named Absurd. And he wanted him to multi-class into everything. So it's a, it's a video about, like, the justification for why he's, you know, a wizard, bard, sorcerer, fighter, barbarian. Um, oh, I'll, my gosh. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It It is, it, it's kind of crazy. Um yeah, it, it it's a lot of fun. So definitely check that out if you can. Um, Puffin Forest is great. I, I don't know if he's posted anything in quite a while. Uh, I unfortunately I haven't been watching his channel lately, but uh, he's got a lot of really good RPG stories. In case uh, you, you like this one, there, there's some good stuff in there. But um, yeah, you want to talk about multi? Sounds super fun. Go for that. <laughs> the justification alone is it's crazy. And it's a very unlikable character because essentially he, he gets kicked out of every order that he gets into. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the, old, the old Skyrim thing where you become <laughs> yeah. like the, the boss of all the, like the thieves guild, the <laughs> exactly. assassins guild and the mage college <laughs> and, 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 yep. uh, yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. But yeah, uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your multi-classing stories. We'd love to hear uh, why you had a character multi-class a certain way. We'd love to hear your favorite mechanical yeah. multi-class combos that have just super cool things that they can do. Um, so feel free to hit us up on Discord or, or send us an email. Um, we'd love to love to hear those stories uh, so we can talk about this more. Definitely. All right. Um, so... Uh, I know I mentioned um, encounter building a little bit. I wanted to talk just briefly about this supplementally because um, Wargamer had an interesting article uh, where it's talking. So uh, for those who don't know, Mike Merles has was one of the original architects of fifth edition. Uh, he was one of the uh, one of the few DMD people that were laid off. And honestly, I don't I honestly don't know if we know how many were laid off in the last rounds. There's uh, that's that's just a lots of gaming, lots of gaming layoffs lately. It's it's really terrible. Um, 
but he basically they've got an article basically where he was talking about uh owning up to his mistakes in the way encounters are balanced in D. Um and now that he no longer works for Wizards, he's set about trying to fix the issue. Like a lot of DMs, I've struggled to get CR to work reliably. <laughs> that's the that's the breakdown after kind of fifth level uh, yep. in my games, he writes. <laughs> uh, unlike a lot of DMs, I can honestly claim that it's my fault. Uh, together with Jeremy Crawford, uh, he led the fifth edition make, uh, and he's taken responsibility for the challenge rating, making it into the game. Uh, the well-known system port over from three helps DM balance encounters. So the parties don't meet monsters that are too high. Um, according to him, while the designers pushed to do something else, he locked us into CR because it fit with our timeline and was a tool that our existing DM base had already understood. Uh, apparently the work was constrained by a small budget and tiny team, which is really funny to think about now. Uh, given the how it is blown up and the size uh, of this edition. Uh, but now he argues that the decision was correct from the point of view of a producer in his position at the time, but it wasn't a great call from a design point of view. Uh, many DMs complain that CR is an unreliable yardstick for measuring an encounter's difficulty, and ironically, it looks like Merrill's is among them. Uh, he's now come up with a new point-based tool that's inspired by Warhammer 40K. The system assigns point values to different characters and monsters and is and in a balanced encounter, the points will be the same on either side. Uh, this is a tool that is available on GitHub for free that he has put up. Um, so I think. Uh, I wanted to mention this because especially with this latest UA survey video and them talking about reworking encounter balance and potentially putting that out in an unearthed arcana. I think it's kind of interesting that they are also uh, trying to tackle that problem, uh, which is a self-admitted problem of scope and time and budget. Uh, that is one of those things that he wishes he could go back and fix. And it sounds like they might actually be trying to go back and fix that um, because it is a problem, but we will have a link to this article and the uh, little GitHub page. Um, it's basically a how to build encounters using challenge points uh, to more accurately measure uh, a monster's power uh, and tells you how strong that creature is within its CR. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely take a look at that if you are wanting to try out maybe a different system. There's basically he, the um, like a little overview of what it is and then challenge points by levels 1 to 5, 6 to 10, and 11 to 15 that are up there right now. So after 15, technically the characters probably can take on most most anything. Uh if they do it right. Yep. And um, uh, they're going to be fighting three Trasks at once. I'm sure some crazy group with their wild multi-class builds could do it. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you want to check that out as an alternative to uh, 
your encounter building, especially while we're waiting for whatever uh, wizards might officially come out with here shortly. Which would be amazing if it was something similar. Yes, it really would be. Um, and then finally, I wanted to do a community content shout out to a Kickstarter that is going on right now. And we'll probably have like two, two and a half weeks left uh, by the time this episode comes out. Uh, this is Loki Battle Maps. And this is an amazing company that creates like dry erase books that you that are spindled that you can uh I, I guess spindled is not the word. What's what's the word? Bound. Uh, whatever the circle bound, circular bound. Yeah, I, I don't is. know. But, so they can open and lay flat, essentially. Um, and they've done a bunch of books in this series. They've got like towns and taverns. They've got dungeons. They've got wilderness. Uh, so they've got a scenery or a like a... Uh, terrain maps with reusable scenery stickers Kickstarter that is going on right now, which is two, I believe, 12 by 12 books that you can kind of like set next to each other. And these things are amazing if you're playing in person uh, because you can just grab them and just open them up and just have a nice thematic battle map without hardly any work. Yeah, you have some of the some of the previous ones of these, don't you? I I do, and I use them. I uh, I use them quite a bit. I use one of the town ones in my last session, actually, because I had a uh, I had a battle encounter that started out in the city area that then moved to sewers. So I used the book mats. And I laid them down. They had the street. They had some houses. I threw a few 3D elements on them. And then I was able to transition to a built set for the sewers. So um, I highly, highly recommend. They are uh, very good quality. Um, and the little stickers are even better because if you don't have any anything 3D or you don't have a lot of models or minis being able to throw these on to represent things uh, very quickly is super cool. And so they've got all sorts of different terrain. They've got some rivers, they got some roads, they've got some rocky areas, water, coastline, um, desert, snow. There's a ton of different options in this set. So highly recommend. Um, and we'll have the link in our show notes to this as well. Definitely. And uh, just for fun, uh, the Towns and Taverns book is available on Amazon. Hopefully at your local game store, too. But unfortunately, I am I don't have access to local game stores at the moment. Just Amazon. That's so sad. Game stores are the best. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there are several of their books over on their site or on Amazon that you can grab. Um so if you're looking for something specific, they've been doing these for quite a while now. Um, this is just the latest in their in their Kickstarter. So uh, if you get it and you like it, they have several more that and they're all fairly compatible. You just kind of lay the books next to each other uh, and you can kind of combine them as you want, because they all just have the little same size, you know, little one inch squares uh, 
delineated in the grid. So it's very easy to to mix and match and put them together. Yeah, they have a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I'm on their website. It's a now. great company. We'll have a great link company. to that in the website or on the in the show notes too. Um so with that being said, uh I think that pretty much brings us to the end of our episode. Um but Ben, I know we usually talk about what we're doing. Have you guys started back up yet? No, still not yet. Um, we've oh, got, sad day. There's there's so much real life going on that needs to be scheduled for that I haven't even begun to start looking at which weekend it'll work because there's still birthday celebrations that need to be taking place and um, you know other other get-togethers and stuff like that. And of course, that's during the weekend, so we're 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 getting there soon though. And I am dying to start playing again because. I really want to finish this campaign. Yeah, I'm I we kind of left on a on a big uh, like cliffhanger or a big moment as you start start something new for the next arc. So, yeah, I'm dying. I hope I hope you are able to beat the CR 30 scheduling monster. Yeah, that's that's kind of the worst right now. But you know what? We'll get there. Um, you though, I know that you've got uh, your campaign going. Were you able to get together since uh, last session or last episode? Yeah, yeah, we had we had session two. Uh, we got session three coming up a little later this week, which is super exciting. Um, the the party after their encounter uh, and one of their members getting knocked out, uh, we dropped right into that uh, combat on the street. As the the entity is dragging one of their members away, uh, they ended up knocking uh, knocking out one of the goblins. Uh, they follow the other and this entity that is dragging their friend away down into the sewers. The entity is revealed to be a fiend of some sort that the goblins that were with did not know about, apparently. So that was kind of a surprise to everyone. Uh, and so there was a huge fight in the sewers, people were getting pushed into poop. Uh, it was nasty. Uh, someone almost died <laughs> because they went down while they were under the poopy water and rolled a one on their first death save. Oh no! So that kind <laughs> of that kind of amped things up a little bit more than uh, I think any of us were expecting for our essentially first combat. <laughs> of the campaign uh nothing like level two and uh two failed death saves to to get the blood flowing yeah jeez, uh, that's a rough one yeah so but they were they were uh our paladin uh went ham with divine smite did like 20 something damage this is level two uh and just like wrecked wrecked this dude um so they were able to get back up. They were able to question the goblin. One of the party members got really mad at something the goblin said, and then like point blank just killed him. Oh. Uh, and then I I, remi- I reminded my uh, my players that this is a city, and most likely, I even alluded to it earlier. People just saw you do that, uh, <laughs> so they got arrested. Uh, oh. And had to go, had to had to go into a holding cell. 
Uh, so it was, there was some just really incredible role play. Uh, one of the characters used uh, a previously made connection within the kind of guard to help get them off okay. uh, because, because uh, they were able to uh, collaborate uh, or corroborate however you say it uh, that. You know, these guys had kidnapped one of their people and um, and whatnot. So it, it was it was it was really it was a really great first combat followed up by some really good RP uh, as they got a, some information from the, the goblin and they have kind of an idea of where they need to look or um, who they need to start talking to. But uh, they're kind of uh beat down and uh, we ended the session with them finally getting some rest. So I'm, I'm excited to see where we go with this third session. Um, it's the, it's been a really good group so far, really good role play. And they, they all spent a lot of time on their characters and we spent a lot of time really integrating them into the world and into the city and they're already pulling some of those strings. And that's and I really love to see that because uh, that's that's just the world building in action. And it really makes the whole thing feel better because it feels like the characters are connected and lived in rather than just like dropped in. That's because awesome. this is where the campaign is taking place, right? It's very cool. I, I it it sounds like you've put a lot of work into just the environment and everything, and um, overall it feels nice and lived in. And I'm excited to hear more. It's definitely the most pre prep work I've put in before the start of a campaign. This is this is the first campaign I've really had um, that I've been fully able to work with the players like this, and. Um, do a session zero fully build things out. And it's, it's definitely more work than the other ones I, when I started, but it is the, the payoff is great. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I would ever not do this again yeah. because the, the payoff for it has been so nice uh, with the players knowing what's going on with me knowing a lot more what's going on and less having to just make crap up right as as things come up that we've already have some stuff established so i really i really i highly recommend a session zero and that you work with your players (laughs) to integrate their backstories wow it's almost like we've talked about that before yeah yeah i'm sure that that's in an episode somewhere (laughs) well very cool uh but with that i think we are going to wrap up the episode for this week so Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, It is always a joy to get together with Ben and talk about something that we both absolutely love doing. Um, And if again, if you want to continue the conversation, uh, you can hit us up on email. You can hit us up uh, in our Discord. Uh, We've been having some good conversation and seeing some really good stuff going back and forth in there. Uh, So that's highly recommended as well. But with that, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? Of course. Uh, as you said, uh, email is one of the, the good places. If you have a lot of uh, 
questions, stories, anything that you want to share, uh, you can send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Um, social media wise, uh, we are on Blue Sky. Uh, you can find us at dndiscussions. Ryan is at tbkzord, and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Um, if you're looking for our Discord, go to the websites because we have links there. It's way easier than me reading a whole long, you know, invite link and stuff out. So click that. It's a lot easier. It's going to be at dndiscussions.com. Um, every episode since we started the Discord has a link to it. So go ahead and click on that and join us. Uh, we love seeing you there. Um, now, if you're interested in listening to me playing some Dungeons and Dragons, I'm on a active... Uh, um, I can't think of what it's called. Real play show. What are they called? Real play? Yeah, one of those. Sorry, it's, it's late. It's late. It's late. Yeah. So anyways, I'm on one of those. Uh, it's called Plus Five to Hit. Uh, we just uh, recorded again after a long hiatus, and uh, I am looking forward to seeing where this is going because uh, we might be off the map. I'm not sure, but uh, we're doing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and uh, we got some fun little homebrew things thrown in there and stuff, and it, it's going to be interesting. I'm very curious after what we recorded uh, on Monday what's going to happen. So check that out. Um, aside from that, dndiscussions.com, like I said, uh, you can find our Discord there, but you can also find every other episode that we have ever recorded, uh, as well as on your podcast player of choice. So with that, uh, everybody, thank you very much for listening to this newest episode, uh, as well as, uh, you know, stopping by, giving us a, uh, you know, a, a hopefully five-star review on whatever podcast player you're, you're listening to, because that helps us out. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And of course, Ryan, thank you for spending some time talking with me. Uh, everybody else, roll high and be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.